Welcome to the Magnificat Podcast. We are an international ministry to Catholic women. Throughout this series, we will pray together, share insights, and hear amazing testimonies, typically from women of faith who have been touched by the power of the Lord in their lives. This is a decidedly Catholic podcast, and in this series, you will hopefully learn more about the Catholic faith, God, the Blessed Mother, and much more. Thanks so much for joining us. Now let's listen to a great program. Welcome to Magnificat Proclaims, presented to you by Magnificat, a ministry to Catholic women. Whether this is your first time you've listened to our program, or you have been with us many times before, we are delighted that you have joined us. I'm Donna Ross, your host for today's program. We pray that today may be a special day in your life as you experience through the personal testimony of our featured guest, the presence of Jesus Christ among us. He is alive and well. We want to come together in God's presence and proclaim the Almighty has done great things for me and you, and holy is His name. This Magnificat Proclaims series features Catholic Christian women who have shared their testimony at one of the many Magnificat chapters hosting quarterly meals around the world. Typically, this three-hour gathering provides opportunity for a shared meal, fellowship, communal praise and worship, personal testimony of one woman's expression of God's action in her life and intercessory prayer for the needs of the church and of those present. We trust that these testimonies will help each of us come to better understand that we are truly children of God, made in His image and likeness. We are daughters of the King. I'm delighted to be able to introduce to you today Maria Vidia. Maria was born in Cuba and fled to the United States with her family when Maria was 10 years old. She is the founding coordinator of Jesus is Lord Magnificat chapter in Miami, Florida, and is a member of the advisory team of the Magnificat Central Service Team. With a vast working knowledge of sacred scripture and a vivacious delivery, she brings God's powerful message of faith, salvation, and healing to many prayer groups the Miami Women's Detention Center, and Genesis House, a place for homeless with AIDS. Again, it is my privilege to introduce to you Maria Vidia. It's a privilege to be here. I was born in Cuba. My father was very well-to-do, and we had a very easy and pleasant life in Cuba. I was born into a Catholic family and went to Catholic school, and I received all the sacraments, and uh, I learned my, my religion, but I never entered into a personal relationship with the Lord. I never knew um, Jesus personally. If you would ask me of my faith, I would say Catholic, but it was an empty religion. I had uh, no knowledge of the Lord. When Castro came into power, uh, we had to leave our homeland because he took everything away uh, from my father. And so we left and we went to Miami. And uh, my family really, we we were Catholics, quote-unquote, but we were more like Sunday Catholics. We just went into church and sat on the pew of the church, and, you know, that was about it. I never saw my parents pray together. I never saw them mention the name of Jesus. Our religion was dead. And when we came to the States, uh, things did not change in our spiritual uh, life. And as a teenager, I really got into um, checking out into the occult, you know, having my palms read. We, we thought it was a lot of fun, not knowing that God considers that an abomination. It's, it's bad. And uh, throughout the years, I started in the horoscope, and my sister just knew how to get that sun sign and that moon sign. And I mean, I read my horoscopes for many, many years, not knowing that it was something detestable in the eyes of God. What did I know? I did not know God. I did not know what he said in his word. I, I never really cared what the Bible had to say. I never tried to read it. And so life went on, and I finished at the University of Miami. I graduated with honors. I thought uh, that I was a really good person. <laughs> I thought that, um, that I was great. <laughs> and um, 
I, by this time, it was not the Holy Spirit that had grabbed my life. It was the spirit of the world. I was in love with the world. I was in love with uh, the glamour, the sophistication that the world has to offer. I was in love with the fashion. I was in love with the things that money could buy. I was just in love with the world. What can I say? And um, I married my husband. Uh, we were very much in love, and we made a great couple. He too was in love with the world, and uh, <laughs> everyone said so. We made a great couple. I mean, everybody said so. And so it was time to get married, and uh, we, I, we got married in church, not because of any deep conviction in my heart, but I mean, what else could a nice Cuban-American girl do when she was, you know, about to get married, but get married in church? We had a great time and a great honeymoon in Europe. <laughs> And uh, life couldn't be better. And my husband came from a very, very wealthy family, extremely wealthy family, Cuban-American as well. And um, we went on to have four children. And just to show you how far away I was from, from the Lord, I had no clue. I was clueless. When my second child was born, he was uh, born premature, seven months um, old, two months early. And his lungs... Um, were premature and, and he was almost dying between life and death for a few days. And there I was in the hospital room. It did not occur to me to pray to God to save my baby. That's how far I was from God. It, um, I did not even pray for the Lord to heal my baby. But because he's gracious and compassionate and merciful, my baby is 22 years old. God is merciful. And you know, today I pray for parking spaces. What can I say? So I look back at those days and I... And I, 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 all I can do is thank the Lord and praise Him for His mercy upon my life. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So, well, soon enough, I was a compulsive shopper. <laughs> I just love to shop. You know that sign, uh, shop till you drop or something like that? Well, I, I used to shop and shop, and I, I was compulsive about it. And I couldn't go and buy one pair of shoes. I had to buy the same thing in every color great quantities. And that's how I lived my life, shopping and shopping and shopping. And I just uh, loved it. You know, and my husband kept telling me, you know, don't worry about anything. All you need to do is make a check and um, the accountant will take care of your account. That's all. So I had like a blank check. You know, I was really in love with the world. And the word of God says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If not, the love of the father is not in you. I just didn't know that. And frankly, I wouldn't have cared way back then. My life continued to be wonderful. Um, we just traveled all over the place. Uh, we took our children on skiing trips. And in the summer, we went to the Bahamas with the children. And we went to Europe. I dragged my husband to China, to Japan. Um, if I was bored, we would go to New York and uh, do some more shopping over there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's, it's called the lost of the eyes, you know? You want it, and you want more, and you want more, and, you know, it looked wonderful. People in the world would really admire us and, and say, wow, that family, that entire Vadia family, wow, they have it all. They have everything that the world has to offer, all the money and the beautiful homes and beautiful cars and all this help that I had in the house. And, you know, it was just wonderful from the outside looking in. If I would have died, you know, I would have gone to hell. But uh, everything looked good on the outside. And so during this time, my sister, uh, Fifi, she, we're very close. She married a Presbyterian man. And she started to attend uh, his church. Not because of any spiritual reason. It's just that she didn't want to let him go alone. She wanted to be there <laughs> like a bodyguard. And so she started to attend his church every Sunday. And about after a year of attending his church, she finally understood the gospel message. And she became born again in the Spirit. And then she went on retreat and she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And here she comes running to me, you know. And, you know, my sister, we, we have always loved each other. And, of course, she understood my condition. I needed salvation. I, I just needed to be saved, period. She came over to me and she said, Maria, do you know how to get to heaven? I gave you, you know, the usual Catholic answer. Well, I'm trying my best. <laughs> and so uh, she says, that's not it. 
It's by grace. It's an undeserved gift. It's something that we cannot earn, something that we do not deserve. It's been, it's been freely given to us. Jesus on that cross of Calvary took all your sins. Your sins have been paid for. Now what you need to do is to repent and to ask him to come into your life as Lord and Savior. And he will give you the Holy Spirit to live that new life. You will receive an empowerment from the Spirit to live a new life. I sort of understood what she was trying to say. By this time, I had realized I was not perfect. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I knew I needed help. So when my sister uh, shared the gospel with me, I sort of understood it with my mind, but not with my heart. After a while, all she did was talk about Jesus. And after a while, all she talked about was the gospel. And I, I used to think she was crazy. And uh, my friends and I, when we saw our sister come, you know, we would say, oh, I, we wish she wouldn't talk about Jesus today. I thank God for my sister because she was the first person to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with me to explain it. Uh, life went on and... Um, she uh, joined a Bible study uh, from one of the ladies in her church, and every Thursday they would meet for Bible study, and they would pray for whatever request. And of course, I was the perennial request on the list. <laughs> <laughs> My sister Maria needs to come to the Lord. And they prayed for me constantly. Gradually, I started to um, experience an emptiness in my heart that I knew that something was missing in my life. I would take an analytical look at my life and say, what is wrong with me? I have everything that the world has to offer. I have a husband that loves me. My four children, they're just beautiful. They're healthy. I have everything, the, all the money that I could want. I, I was in such darkness. I had no clue that what was wrong with me is that Jesus was missing from, you know, from my life. After all, I was a good Catholic. I went to Mass on Sundays, you know, and I put my money in the envelope. I mean, think about it. If you only eat once a week, you cannot survive, right? <laughs> I was anorectic, spiritually. <laughs> so I started to experience this emptiness in my, in my heart. I, had, I, I would say to myself, my life has no meaning and purpose. Uh, I mean, I don't know what is wrong with me. Something is definitely lacking in my life. I had no clue. And one day I, uh, I thought I was alone in my bedroom and I started to cry and to weep because of this emptiness. And uh, my husband was there, I didn't know it, and he saw me and he freaked out. He couldn't understand what was wrong with me. You know, after all, he, I mean, he had given me everything that the world could offer. Uh, how could I be so miserable? But, you know, immediately he said, why don't you go on a trip? Invite your sister and, and go on a trip. And um, see, this is how rich people try to solve everything. It's with, with a checkbook. The thing is that I, I had spent a month in Europe. I had only been back for a month and I was miserable again. And uh, after a few days, I said to myself, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to deal with symptoms any longer. I'm going to deal with, with what's wrong in my heart because there is definitely something sick in my heart and something is wrong with me. It was the fall of 1987. My husband tells me, uh, go see the Pope. He's coming. <laughs> so he gave me tickets uh, to see the Pope. <laughs> And um, I said, it sounds really good. And um, I thought this, this was an important event in Miami. I had majored on sociology, definitely. This was an important sociological <laughs> and historical, that was my minor, uh, event in the city of Miami. And after all, I said to myself, I went to see the Beatles in 1963. And I walked, I don't know how many miles to see them. So I said to myself, I might as well go see the Pope. I have to tell you, I went to see the Pope with the wrong motives and uh, I didn't even pray to God asking for any graces or anything. I mean, I didn't know I needed anything. I, I was so lost and in such darkness that I, I had no clue that I could ask God to fill that emptiness inside of me. So I went to see the Pope and um, I had a lot of friends who were camping out during the night and, and uh, I came in in the VIP bus. My hair was perfect and everything. And they saw me behind the fence and they waved at me, Maria! And it was so funny because we laughed to this day about what happened that day. They were all waving at me, you know, and uh, it was like sort of the Academy Awards. <laughs> That's how I felt. And by all uh, normal and physical and natural standards, that visit of the Pope to Miami, on that occasion, it was in an open field. It was a disaster because it, it rained and it thundered and it was, there was a lot of lightning and it had to be canceled. And, uh, but I praise God for that day because on that day, the Holy Spirit touched my heart. In the middle of the rain, the Holy Spirit touched my heart. Thank you, Jesus.
I had this love inside of me and I just looked at people and I loved them. And wow, I knew that was not me. I had a long list of people I didn't like. <laughs> so now I loved everyone and it was beautiful. I, I really did, didn't understand what was happening to me. I just knew that God had touched my heart and I was not the same person. And then uh, a friend of mine invited me to a prayer group uh, on Tuesday nights at a church near our house. I didn't even know what the Holy Spirit was. All I knew was in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. But I, I went to this prayer group because I was hungry for God. I, I was hungry for more of what had happened inside of me. And I walked into, the, into that room and it was a turning point in my life. I saw men and they were saying things like, Jesus, I love you. And Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. And I thought I had stepped into another planet, but I loved it. It was a holy awe. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was the first time in my life that I actually saw men talking to Jesus and telling him, Jesus, I love you. And I kept saying to myself, these people talk to Jesus like if Jesus was here with us. And they're talking to him like if they know him personally. I mean, you got to understand where I was coming from. The men in my life, my father, my grandfather, my brother, my uncles, my, my, then my husband and my father-in-law, they never talked about God. They never mentioned Jesus. All they talked about was business and money and medicine and politics. That's about it. I had never seen them talk about God. So this was something that really impacted me on that day. And I saw them and I talked to God that day. I think this is the first time that I actually talked to God. And I said, Lord, I said, God, if, if I'm going to be a Christian, I want to be like them. It's all or nothing. I don't want to have one foot here and one foot there. It's got to be all or nothing. And um, by the way, the Lord answered that prayer. <laughs> That's something that he cannot refuse. <laughs> so I was really attracted by everything I saw, you know, in that prayer group. And I continued to, to attend the prayer group and to sing praises. And then they announced that they would be holding a Life in the Spirit seminar during a weekend. And I signed up not knowing what it was. I just knew that I, I really had a deep desire in me to attend this seminar. And during that weekend, um, I finally understood with my heart what my sister had been trying to tell me for seven years. During that weekend, I surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I knew that day that God so loved me that he sent Jesus to die for me so that I could be forgiven and received eternal life and salvation. I knew it that day. I understood it with my heart. And that's what makes the difference in people's lives. Amen. It's not head knowledge, it's heart knowledge. These were all lay people. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit came upon me. The Holy Spirit grabbed my life. Jesus came in and the garbage came out. You know, all those feelings of emptiness, of uh, having no meaning in my life, all of that left me. And I found myself in love with my Savior. I found myself in love with Jesus Christ. I experienced the love and a joy and a peace that I had never experienced in my life before. No amount of shopping ever, you know, gave me that joy or that peace and that love. It was just flooding in my being. I just wanted to scream and shout and proclaim Jesus 24 hours a day. And then um, I got into my car to go back home and all the way home, I'm just saying, oh Lord, wait till my husband sees what has happened to me. He's going to be so happy and so thankful for this change in me <laughs> and i'm just praising the lord all the way home and just saying he's gonna love it ricardo's gonna want what i have and i get home and i start sharing with him all of this and i tell you for the first time in our married life he did not want to hear anything that i had to tell him he he was kind of nasty for the first time and uh, told me to stop all that nonsense and to quit talking all that baloney and so on and so forth but you know, I, I went on with my joy and, and the joy of the Lord. I did not allow that situation to steal it from me. But my children were so blessed. Well, he was blessed too. He just still doesn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> my children uh, were so blessed to have a mother that loved God and uh, to have a praying mother. Three days after my baptism of the Holy Spirit, one of my sons tell me, Mom, haven't you noticed you have not screamed in three days? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And recently, my oldest son, who's 23, told me, Mom, it's just that you became so much nicer. You know, it's, it's hard to live without God. 
It's hard. There is no life apart from Christ. It's hard to be a mother and carry the burden in your shoulders, you know, and uh, it's, it's a big burden for us to carry our family in our shoulders without God. You know what I'm saying? When we come to the Lord, we give our families to the Lord and we experience a, a release and a relief. Amen. It's different to have God in our lives. And, uh, you know, he, he says, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I shall give you rest. So I, I just learned quickly enough to cast unto him all my anxiety and my burdens and, uh, and to be rested in the Lord, which is a wonderful way to live. Amen. Amen. To know that salvation is by grace, that he loves me, that he has promised me never to leave me nor forsake me, that the Holy Spirit has been given to us forever. Thank you, Lord. I mean, unless we really decide to do something and kick him out, but none of us want that. So my life really changed. I, I prayed for the first time in my life, and now I found myself talking to the Lord as if he was next to me and uh, talking to him from the heart. And I learned to praise God from my heart and to give thanks to him in every situation and just to pray and talk and to be in his presence every day of my life. I found the hunger for scripture. I had never really read the Bible the few times that I had attempted to do so. Um, I could not understand one thing, but now I had a hunger and a, and a thirst for God's word and I could read and read and read and understand. I used to weep a lot when I read the, the Bible because, you know, just to think that for 37 years I had uh, looked down on the Bible and not cared for um, about what God had to tell me. And I was so ignorant of his word, of his blessings and of his promises that we all need. And I was so ignorant of that. I repented as I read the word of God because I thought that I had been a very good person. But the truth is, is that my heart was filled with rebellion. I had lived my life in rebellion and disobedience to God. Amen. And that's what sin is. It's giving our backs to God. Sin is much more than just killing somebody and robbing a bank. It's living in anger and resentment and bitterness and having envy and jealousy and all those things. That's sin. Well, that's what sin is, giving your back to God. And I had lived for 37 years with my back, back towards God. So I just repented. And, but I, I thank God for his word because his word is bread to our spirits. His word brings life, life and light into our situation. And the Lord said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Praise God. I learned uh, what mass was all about. Frankly, up until that time, I thought it was boring. <laughs> But now I loved going to Mass, and now I found myself going to Mass more than once a week, and because I wanted to, amen? Because I wanted to. And uh, the Eucharist became very important to me. I prayed, I praised the Lord. I mean, life could not be better. I mean, to be in love with Jesus, that's what heaven is all about, amen? Let me read from Philippians 3. It says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith. I mean, I... Jesus became the treasure in my heart. He became everything to me. And truly, I could tell him from the heart, anything that the world has to offer does not compare to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Up to this day, my children call me from wherever they are to pray with me and, and to ask me for prayers. Thank you, Jesus. We have to remember as mothers that the Bible says the prayer of a righteous person availeth much. Amen. Our prayers are very powerful when we pray for our children and our family. Thank you, Jesus. At the same time, I had this joy and this peace uh, in my heart. My eyes were open to the fact that most people that I knew were lost. Most people in my families, I mean, extended families and my in-laws and everything, their families, 99.9% .9 of the people that we went out socially and that uh, we knew, they were lost just like I had been. So the Lord has given me a burden for the lost people. And I, I treasure that because that's his heart. God, God's heart is with the lost. He really wants the lost to come to him. I was burdened with the fact that um, almost everyone that I knew did, did not know Jesus Christ. And uh, by now, by this time, it's been uh, 12 years almost I've led. I'm just speaking about my family. I've led to the Lord uh, in my family like nine people. Thank you, Jesus. This is grace and his mercy. And so I started to cry out to the Lord to take me to a place where I could serve him because I, I was changed. I was not the same person. I was a new creature. I was a new creation. 
And I just wanted to love God and I just wanted to share the love of, of Jesus everywhere I went and I desired to share the gospel message. And wow, my sister and I now were really uh, together, <laughs> not only sisters in the, by blood, but uh, sisters in the spirit. What a gift God has given us to each other. It's like you too. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I just had that desire to share the gospel with people and um, not to make the long story short. I was, I did not know this where I was going, but somebody took me to, um, it's like a shelter for the homeless with AIDS. This was like over 10 years ago. And in those days, the AIDS epidemic, you know, you just didn't talk about it. They were pretty much like the lepers in the times of, in the times of Jesus. But um, this friend of mine took me to this home for the homeless with AIDS and uh and I walked into this courtyard and all of a sudden I, I heard heaven rejoicing and I heard the angels singing and rejoicing uh, like a voice that said to me, welcome, this is where you belong. And I knew and I understood that this is the place where God wanted me to serve him with the homeless people with AIDS. And let me tell you, it's been uh, such a privilege and such a blessing for me to be able to minister to, to these people. Most of them that uh, get to this home, they are the... Um, rejects of society. They're the ones that have lived in the streets all their lives, the, the ones rejected by everyone almost in their lives. And when they come to this home um, and they find out about Jesus and how much the Lord loves them and, and that forgiveness is available, available for them, they rejoice in the Lord. And so many of them have come to the Lord and received salvation from Jesus. Hallelujah. I could share so many stories of, of God's uh, mercy and compassion upon, upon um, these people, what I have seen throughout 10 years, but I just want to share this one that, to share with you. There was a young Haitian uh, man, uh, about 21 years old, and one of the workers, one of the employees of Genesis told us, go and uh, go to the laundry room. There is somebody seated there at a chair and he needs help. And when uh, we go there, we can see by his body language that he's just uh, hopeless, that he just wants to die. And um, thank God that one of our sisters spoke French and they could communicate. But when I got close to him, I had to ask God for help because it was so gross. His skin was just coming apart in pieces. It was just, uh, it, it was uh, disgusting. I had to ask God to help me not to faint. I had never seen anything like that in my life before. But... Um, my friend ministered to him in a French for the Lord to heal him. And um, two days, this was on a Tuesday, when I go back on Thursday, the same person is walking like a million bucks <laughs> throughout this house. And he sees me and he points to heaven and he says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And when I went up to him, his skin had been healed like almost, uh, almost 85%. And before a week was over, his skin was totally healed like the skin of a baby. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I have not seen anybody in that home that we have prayed for healed of the AIDS uh, virus, but we are not powerless Christians. We are uh, Christians full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Nothing is too difficult for the Lord and nothing is impossible for the person that believes. Amen. Life went on very nicely. I, you know, in love with Jesus, what else can, can you ask for? I, I mean, I've Every day of my life, I'm glad to what the Lord has done for me because I remember what it is to be in darkness and to feel me that there's no meaning in your life and to feel empty. I don't want to go back to that life. Amen. I don't want it. I do not care for it. You know, um, we are in the world, but we're not to be of the world. Amen. Because the, the world is an enemy of God. We do love the people in the world and we are to bring them to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So Life was just going uh, great, you know. The only sorrow I had in my heart was my husband. He didn't care about Jesus and, you know, he did not care that um, about this new life. He really was not interested. He, he didn't care for it. He did not want it. So that was the one sorrow that I had. All I could do was pray for him a lot. And, of course, I learned to be quiet and silent. <laughs> you know, if he doesn't want to hear it, I have to be silent. So just offer it up to the Lord and keep on praying for, for him. And then... Um, all of a sudden, two storms uh, came upon me, before me. Two things happened, uh, two storms came upon me that I thought, you know, could never happen. And one of them was that um, my husband was a real estate developer and big time. What was happening was that um, there was a financial crisis. Everything was falling apart. There, uh, it was, uh, what can I say, uh, come, the business was uh, being uh, taken away, destroyed. I mean, the finances were in shambles. Everything was uh, coming to pieces. And uh, my husband comes to me and he tells me, don't make one more check. 
and that he did not explain to me anything because he was very much unable to communicate with me. He was so angry and so upset, you know, that his money was uh, just going down the drain and that he was losing his lands. And then the other uh, crisis that came together with this one was the breakup of my marriage because it seemed that as the financial situation, the financial crisis got worse and worse and worse, his behavior became more and more and more unacceptable. And um, so the time came that he left the house. I was left behind in the house with my four kids, two preteens and uh, two teenagers. I was left there with them and with a broken heart. But Jesus was with me. The Lord was with me. And I thank God that during three and a half years, after I had come to know him, that he had given me a thirst and a hunger for his word because I, I treasured uh, and I still do the word of God. And I knew now for this time of crisis and difficulties and great adversity in my life, I knew what the promises and the blessings were. I had treasured the word of God. See, this is what Mary did. She treasured Jesus, the things of Jesus. Jesus is a word made flesh in her heart. She was a strong woman of faith. She knew the word of God. She knew him intimately. She knew the truth. She gave birth to the truth. I thank God because he had prepared me to be strong in the word for this time of crisis. Um, this was very difficult, as you well can imagine. Uh, the kids were suffering. I was suffering. I mean, the, the kids would come and tell me, do you think that dad will ever laugh again? Or another one would come and say, do you think that he'll ever smile again? And so um, it was very difficult. I experienced what it was to be rejected and to be abandoned and to be left alone. My heart hurt so much that I, sometimes I thought I was having a heart attack, but it was just the pain, the pain of everything that I was going through. But the Lord says in his word, do not be afraid, do not fear, because you are mine. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine, even though should you walk through the water, you will not drown. And if you walk through the fire, you will not get burnt. I knew in my heart, I knew it, that the Lord was with me. The word of God says that he's very close to the brokenhearted. And I was a good candidate, you know. And Jesus says in his word that he, he came to heal the brokenhearted. And so I just learned to rely and depend on the Holy Spirit inside of me. It wasn't even a day at a time. Sometimes it was a second at a time. Sometimes it, it was a step at a time that I was just asking the Holy Spirit, uh, I'm relying on your strength. Uh, fill me with your power, with your being, with your presence, because without you, I cannot take one more step. You know, the Holy Spirit is... Uh, more powerful than the enemy and more powerful than anything that can come against us. We just have to trust that he is working in, in us and that his grace is sufficient for us. Amen. Because it's when we are weak that he's strong in us. Amen. So we just learn to trust and rely in the spirit of God. I remember going to bed and, and telling the Lord, Lord, if you do not grant me sleep, I, won't, I will not be able to sleep because of the great adversity that I'm going through. It was so tough and so difficult. Psalm 127 says that the Lord grants sleep to those that he loves. And I have to tell you that every day I slept like a baby, not because of me, but because of him who is faithful and true. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. During this difficult time in my life and in the life of my children, and this is part of my testimony, I did not need an antidepressant and I did not need a pill to go to sleep or I did not need a pill to uh, waken me up or anything. Jesus became everything for me. He holds it all. We are not lacking in any gift or anything that we need because he is our God. He's our provider. He's our healer. And believe me, I had to come to know Jesus as my healer because the time came, came when we even lost our health insurance. So I just kept trusting on his divine health upon us and upon my children. I tell you, I was so concerned for the welfare of my kids. I mean, I, I, th I pray day and night. I think I even prayed in my sleep. I must have been praying <laughs> 24 hours a day. The Apostle Paul tells us to pray with unceasingly and with all kinds of prayers. And as I drove and I do my carpools, I just proclaim the blessings of God upon my life. I prayed the rosary. I, I, I prayed from the heart. I, just, I was just turning to God 24 hours a day. And the place where I started to uh, really experience healing and, and to experience rest 
and to experience a healing in my life was in front of the Blessed Sacrament. That's where I would go every day and I would stay there for as long as I needed to stay. Usually for three hours I would stay because I was so broken that I needed the Lord to put me back together and restore me. And um, when I was left alone in the room, I, I would proclaim his blessings upon my life and I would call on his promises. And I would say things like this to the Lord, Lord, your word says that if we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, then all those things will be added unto us. So I used to tell the Lord, I don't know how you're going to supply for all our need, but your word says that if we seek you first and your kingdom, and you know, Lord, that I've been seeking you first. And you know the Lord uh, has supplied for every need. Amen. He has. My husband was uh, still very, it was very difficult for him to communicate with me. So I really did not know anything about the financial situation, just to know that it was very bad. And, uh, but praise be to God, I did not have to change my children from any of the schools. They remained with their same friends in the same schools. And uh, finally, when the, the time came in 92, when we had to sell uh, our beautiful home, uh, there was a real estate crisis going on at the time in Miami. The real estate crisis was really uh, dead. And we put our house for sale. And I had seen houses for sale across the street for seven and eight months. I mean, those houses had not sold. And uh, a lot of people would tell me, oh, your house will not sell at this time. The real estate market is not moving. And this house was very expensive, over a over million dollars uh, way back then. It's more now. But, um, you know, the enemy always makes it uh, a point to send in somebody with a negative report. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he makes sure that uh, we get a dose of that negativity. But, <laughs> but we are not of the negative report. Those that believe this report, the word of God. Thank you, Jesus. So I turned to the Holy Spirit, who else? And I said, teach me how to pray because we need to get this house sold. So the, the Holy Spirit taught me how to pray. So I covered uh, the house and the, and the land, north, south, east, and west with the blood of Jesus Christ, that whole area with the blood of Jesus. And the Lord... Um, showed me to walk around the property and around the house like seven times, like around the walls of Jericho, like what happened to Father Cantalamesa, sort of. <laughs> Anyways, I walked around the house for seven times, you know, just praising God and proclaiming God's blessings. And in the name of Jesus and by the power of his blood, I broke any curse that could be upon that house. And I asked the Lord to break uh, any curse. And, and I commanded the enemy to release this house in the name of Jesus. And wouldn't you know that within two and a half weeks, my house was sold. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you. You know, the Holy Spirit is always with us. All we need to do is uh, turn to him. And in the worst times of our life, uh, this charismatic gift of faith uh, <laughs> kicks in. And I, uh, my watch broke. And I had all my watches were broken, beautiful watches, but they were all broken. And I was wearing a um, beautiful gold Rolex watch at the time, and it broke on me. And uh, I, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I really need a watch. And, you know, I have like a, a zillion carpools and stuff and um, deadlines to, to meet and to pick up my kids. And I really need a watch when there is an impossible situation because I didn't have money to fix my watch and I needed a watch. And so I, I, uh, I prayed over my watch and I asked Jesus to fix it. And I, the Lord uh, fixed my watch and it worked perfectly for the next seven years. And I remember that first Christmas, uh, in, the, in the midst of the financial crisis, I, I didn't know whether I, my kids would, would have presents under the tree or even if I would have a Christmas tree. I, I didn't know. And uh, I know that Jesus is the reason for the season, but I wanted my kids to have at least some presents. <laughs> um, Every other Christmas, because I was a compulsive shopper, I had, you know, bought so much stuff that the, uh, the presents hit the ceiling. But uh, I wasn't asking for that. But I was just, uh, I was just grieving over the fact that maybe this Christmas my kids would not have anything under the tree, and that sort of um, gave me a little bit of sorrow. And I was crying out to God, and um, a friend of mine came over to my house. She had no clue. I mean, she knew we were going through tough times, but she had no clue what we really were going through, because you see, we were so wealthy that people did not believe it, and. Um, and so she came over to, to the house and she said, Maria, the Holy Spirit has told me to give you this so that you can buy presents for your kids. And she gave me $700. Another time when the, from my boys' school, they, they went to a very conservative Jesuit school. And if their hair hit the ear, that was like very long and wild. So, um, you know, if it hit the, he the ear. And so they called me up from uh, 
the school and told me, Mrs. Vadia, Ricky needs to get a haircut, you know, today. If not, he will not be allowed back to school. I said, Lord, I don't even have money on this day for a haircut. I don't know how you're going to do it, but he needs a haircut. So I went on to serve God at Genesis Home, where the Lord had called me to serve, just trusting in the Lord. And so what do you know? Another friend of mine shows up and tells me, I knew that I would find you here. The Holy Spirit told me to give, to give you $50. <laughs> so I had more than enough for a haircut, you know. So I'm saying this because the Lord sees to it that our needs are, are taken care of. We just need to trust and, and, and to stand on that word. And I remember another time when I was... Um, on my way to visit my spiritual director, thank God for him and God bless him. He's a truly a man of God and it was far, 40 minutes away. But on that day, I had $40 in my wallet. Thank you, Jesus. I felt like a millionaire with $40 in my wallet. And I'm driving over to see him and his parish is a very poor parish. And I hear the Holy Spirit tell me, give Father Began the $40. And so I said, Lord, I will give him the $40. But it was a long drive, and uh, my mind got in the way. And, uh, and this is what I heard my mind tell me, be smart, give him 20, you keep back 20, just in case. <laughs> and, um, but you know what? When I got to the church, I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm going to give him the $40. But all I ask you today, Lord, is if I heard you correctly, please let me know. That's all I, I ask of you. <laughs> I had a sense in my spirit that uh, this money was to be for somebody that was hungry. This money was not for medicine. This money was not for transportation. It was for somebody hungry that needed food. And so I go in to, feed, to see Father, and we talk, and whatever. When it's, when it's over, I hand uh, over to him the $40, and he takes a look at it, and he says, Maria, wouldn't you believe it that today one of my parishioners called me up uh, telling me, Father Began, I have no food in my house. But if you could only give me $40, I will be able to make it for the rest of the week. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I was filled with the Holy Ghost and with the joy of the Lord because it's a great thing to be able to hear the Word of God and to do the Word of God. Amen? Because we are to be a doers of the Word of God. It's not enough to listen to it. We are to do it. Amen? And I left that, um, that church uh, poor in money-wise, but um, filled with the treasures of the Lord, filled with His joy and His peace. Thank you, Jesus. So... And uh, all this negativity started to come into my mind, and it was all regarding my children, and it, it went something like this, uh, your children are hopeless, uh, your children will never amount to anything, your children will never be able to recover from the wounds uh, they have received in, uh, because of the broken home, your children have no future, and on and on this went, and um, it was the enemy, and uh, for many months I was tormented by that. But praise be to God for his faithfulness, because I was reading Psalm 37 one day in my house, and uh, one of the verses says this, I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging for bread. And so I said, Satan, get out in Jesus' name. Get out. This is a report that I believe. I believe the word of God. And his word is the one that counts, not yours. Get out. And, you know, the Lord was teaching me how to uh, uh, proceed in spiritual warfare with the word of God, which is the sword of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 144 says that he trains our hands for battle and our fingers for war. This is what he was training me in. And to get that enemy off my back. And that's how I started to experience freedom and rest and peace again. Amen. Another day when I was wavering, I just felt uh, discouraged. And I just felt that discouragement was coming upon me as I looked to the situation. And that's what happens when we look at our situation. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Amen. And uh, I was wavering. I did not know whether to go to um, the AIDS people like I was supposed to or just stay home and have a pity party. But... Uh, <laughs> I was going up the stairs and I saw the face of Satan and he was gloating over me and that uh, it was very short for a few seconds and he had a look of satisfaction there of what he was accomplishing in my life. So I thank God that I, I took a look at the enemy because that only gave me ammunition to know what was going on in my life. And I got in my car as soon as I could and I headed off to Genesis home, just praising and thanking God and telling the Lord, Lord, it is a privilege to be your child. It is a privilege to serve you and I will serve you as long as I live. I told the Lord, 
as long as I have life, as long as I have breath in my lungs, I will serve you. I was determined not to be one more spiritual abortion on the side of the road. And I just had felt this strength in me, you know, that no matter what came against me, I, was, I would be able to walk through it because of God's grace and that I would be able to continue to serve him. Thank you, Jesus. I learned to forgive. I learned to uh, pray together more and more with my children. And I also explained to them that they had to forgive their father and also forgive me because I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm no saint, but they had to forgive me. But to forgive their father, uh, that we need to forgive as God's people. And uh, the last thing that I wanted in my heart or in their hearts was unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment because that's like a cancer. You know what I'm saying? It is like a cancer in our lives. And that root of bitterness, it splashes out and it affects the whole family. Not only that, it affects our relationship with God. And I wanted my relationship with Jesus to be kept pure and clean. So I learned to forgive and to let go of that anger. And believe me, I had every reason in the book to hate my husband. But I didn't, um, I didn't hate him because of God's grace and his mercy and his compassion. Amen. Yes, we walk by faith and we do not walk by sight. Thank you, Jesus. There's another Psalm, Psalm 27, that says this. I would have lost heart if I had not known that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I knew that I would see that goodness when I got, got to heaven. But I knew that even in the midst of all this tribulation that I would see his goodness in this planet Earth. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. As I moved out of my beautiful home, I, I just asked the Lord um, two things that I had in my heart. And one was that I wanted to be able to stay home and be a, home, uh, be a mother for my children because they seemed to have lost everything. I was the only thing that was there for them. And um, I wanted to be able to carpool them. I wanted to be able to be there with them for whatever. I really treasured my children. I always did. And now they, they were even more special to me. And I wanted to be there with them. And I, the other thing that I asked the Lord is, Lord, I want to preach the gospel. <laughs> this, these were my two desires. And by God's grace, uh, he has answered both um, petitions. Because even though I'm not back with my husband, it's been seven years of separation. The Lord has made him favorably disposed towards me and towards the children. And I've been able to preach the gospel. The Lord not only takes me to the, uh, the homeless place with AIDS, but he takes me every Saturday to the women's jail. And I've seen the glory of God in that jail with these women. Thank you, Lord, for your love and mercy. And I've been able to preach the gospel, you know, all around the Archdiocese of Miami and in places like Jamaica and Mexico and uh, Cuba and other islands in the Caribbean and now in ev many other parts of the USA. I just want to share something um, that the Lord has put, placed in my heart about my trip to Cuba three years ago, and uh, just to make it very short, we saw the glory of God in that trip because the people are so hungry and so needy for, for the Lord. They're desperate for God. And we saw miracles and we saw healings and we, we saw the glory of God. Let me tell you, it was amazing. And how many people came to the Lord. Amen. It was great. But I just wanted to show to you the power that there is in praising God in every circumstance. Because one night in Havana, the place where we were staying, it was like a, it was like a place for uh, lay people, lay Catholic people, and it was a fourth uh, at the fourth floor, and we would look down on, onto a plaza, like a park, and every night um, bad stuff went on in this plaza. You know, there was a lot of prostitution, and this is what we see in Cuba today. A lot of it, the young girls just uh, selling their bodies for um, American dollars. And you saw them walking through that plaza, you know, and selling themselves. And there was a lot of uh, drinking and carrying on way into the early hours of the, of the morning. And, um, well, one night in Havana, in this place that we were staying, there, there were a group of Mexican uh, musicians, charismatic musicians from Mexico. And uh, we did not plan this, but we went into the dining room and the windows of the dining room overlooked this plaza and it overlooked all the other buildings in the area. Like, the, well, we could see we had a nice view. And uh, we started to praise the Lord and to praise the Lord and to thank the Lord. And before we knew it, it was three in the morning, all that time praising the Lord. It, it was heavenly. And uh, I looked across the way and I thought I saw people in the balcony like this, praising the Lord. And some of the Cubans were on their knees praying and thanking the Lord and blessing God. If you only knew the condition of the people in Cuba, you would cry because it's, it's terrible, the conditions there. I believe that because of all this praising and of the Lord, the Lord moved um, 
out of that section, at least for a while, moved the evil from, from that neighborhood. The next night, there was so much quiet in the, in the park. There was so much quiet in the, in the plaza. I mean, there was hardly anybody there. And uh, we asked ourselves, what is wrong? This place is emptied out. And then it dawned on us by, by the Holy Spirit. You know, it was all that praising that, that you people did last night till three in the morning. So we left Cuba like three days after this. But for every night after that night, that plaza was clean and no prostitution and no alcohol and no drugs. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And this is, I believe, a strong message that God wants for his people and for the church because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And instead of, instead of grumbling and complaining like we do so much, we need to start moving in praise and thanksgiving because our God is seated at the throne. Amen. He is holding our lives in his hands. He has it all under his control. Nothing that we go through has taken him by accident, by surprise. He knows. There is a passage in Habakkuk that I want to share with you. And this is what the prophet says. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Today, this could be translated. Well, even though I don't have enough money, to make it through, even though I, I do not have uh, my refrigerator uh, full of food, and even though my kids have strayed and gone away from the Lord, and even though my mother is sick, yet I will praise God, and I will praise Him, because He is worthy to be praised, because He is awesome, and He is powerful, and He has promised us that He would never leave us nor forsake us. We are God's people, and He has promised never to abandon us. So I think it's important that we open our hearts to this joy of the Lord that comes when we decide to stop looking at ourselves and at our circumstances, but we make a choice to look at God. And then when we look at Him and we, we, when we look at Jesus, we focus on His might and His strength and His love for us. We are changed in the presence of the living God. Our heart is transformed, not when we look to ourselves, but when we get rid of the self-centeredness and we start looking at Jesus Christ. And when we start praising God, Psalm 149 says that as we praise God, He binds the evil spirits and He gets them out of the way like He did for us in Cuba. Hallelujah. I just want to close and just by thanking God for His mercy and His compassion on all our lives. Because truly, Lord, You're the only one that is truly worthy to be praised. Thanks so much for listening to this Magnificat podcast. Have you been touched by our time together? If so, for more information or to find a Magnificat chapter near you, go to our website at magnificat-ministry.org or visit us on social media. We would love to hear from you. You can also email us at magnificatcst at aol.com or call 504-828-MARY, M-A-R-Y. Until the next time, may God bless you.